0: You are Locked On Pelicans, your daily podcast on the New Orleans Pelicans. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome to another edition of Locked On Pelicans, the daily podcast covering your favorite team. The New Orleans Pelicans is part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Available on iTunes and wherever you get your podcasts from. I'm your host, Jake Madison, at Nolajake on Twitter, here with you all on this Thursday. A very happy Thursday, by the way, because the Pelicans really put it to the Nets, 128-113, a game in which they had a 33-point lead at one point. That final score doesn't really do justice to the Pelicans' domination on the night. Individual career highs were set. Team records were set. Multiple team records were set. And the Pelicans did everything you wanted to see about uh, about them, from them, on this. So we're going to recap this game, talk about it. We could nitpick this one. We're not going to really do that much here. Or I'm not really going to do that because, frankly, this is just a good victory for the team and kind of answers a question or two I had, and I talked about it on the radio and I'll talk about it here, Uh, regarding this Pelicans franchise as well, and this team this year? Got answered kind of, kind of, for the most part, mainly. Again, we're not going to nitpick that. We're also going to take a look around the Western Conference playoff race, as we do once a week here on Locked On Pelicans, and then just kind of, I don't know, wrap everything up after this, because again, monumental night for the team. Um, I'm probably going to be a little too enthusiastic, and I need to dial it back, because again, it is against a 12-win Nets team, Hey, that's better than they were last year. So, we'll take a look at this game and more in today's edition of Locked on Pelicans. So, I'm going to lead talking about kind of the records that were set with this franchise last night. A lot of it having to do with Rajon Rondo. So, the first number that's going to jump out at you is the Pelicans had 40 assists on the night. That is, in fact, a franchise high in a single game. And just Really impressive. They had 40 assists on the night on 48 made shots. There were only 8 unassisted field goals this entire game. When the Pelicans talk about ball movement and everything they want, this is it. They also only did that with 10 turnovers. This shows you what they're capable of. Now, it's against the Nets just as, as the shutters flap behind me and make loud, scary noises. Um, just as the past game, we were against the Heat without Whiteside, against the Orlando Magic without Aaron Gordon. Three struggling teams and subpar opponents. But as I said on the podcast yesterday, just beating and dominating, and these are three dominant wins in a row for the Pelicans, is impressive because that is not something they do consistently. You're starting to see them get that killer instinct, that killer mentality needed to close out games and hammer opponents, get the win, get out, and move on. That in and of itself, no matter what the competition is, is a good thing to see developing for this team. But 40 assists, eight unassisted field goals. Rajon Rondo set a career high and a franchise high with 25 assists in this game, doing it on just two points. He had three turnovers think we're going to claim it's all good there. Seven rebounds as well. So a number of just exactly what you wanted to see and just impressive. And Rondo was zipping around and at one point kind of just chasing assists. He could have scored or he could have done other things. This is what he's done his entire career. But frankly, went out and just was zipping passes around. And a lot of that had to do with guys moving off the ball. We've seen this offense kind of stop at times and, you know, kind of just stagnant and uh, stop moving. I don't know, lack of movement basically is what I'm trying to say here. And this is exactly what you want to see. When they don't do that, this is what the offense looks for all four quarters minus one kind of area um, late in the third to end the third when the Nets went on a 17-point run. They went on a 17-point run and the Pels still won 128-113. to Um, and this is where you get crazy numbers in the plus-minus column for Anthony Davis, DeMarcus Cousins, and some of these other guys. Cousins was plus 39 on the night. Davis was plus 37. Holiday was plus 36. Rondo, somehow, was only plus 28. It, it, it just showed. Like, you can see it. You don't even need those numbers to know how dominant the Pelicans were On both ends of the ball, and we'll talk about the defensive side of the ball in the next segment here. But when things are clicking, you can see this team is terrifyingly good. They have the sixth best offense in the league. That's certainly going to go up after uh, last night's game against the Nets. And it just clicked. When this team clicks, it works. You see things like the shot distribution. 19 shots for Davis. 19 shots for Cousins. 17 for Drew Holiday. Numbers you want to see like that. More than that, over the past three games, we've seen Demarcus Cousins really play down low. He's not falling in love with the three point shot as much anymore. He still had six attempts last night, but he had under three the past two games uh, in each one. What you want to see from him is playing down low, playing bully ball, and just kind of, you know, bruising other teams. The Pelicans scored. 48 points in the paint, they get close to 50, they're really good in that area. That's where you start to feel comfortable. Also, it leads to fewer turnovers, fewer transition opportunities because they aren't missing as much because, frankly, when you score inside, it's a higher percentage shot. Holiday needs a lot of shots to get going. He had 23 points on the night, 17 shots for him. Perfect. Nine three-point attempts hit three of them. That was a little bit low, but, again, you can see it. When he gets in a rhythm and gets more shots and is more involved in the offense is when his numbers start to rise. He is not the most efficient player, but his efficiency actually starts to increase with a higher usage rate. When you try and put him in a smaller role, that's where he struggles. That's what the Pelicans were doing with him to start the year, as we talked about for about a month On this podcast here saying, you know, if you were the guy with the ball, do you feel comfortable, you know, giving it uh, taking it yourself instead of passing the ball to Cousins and Davis Holiday's starting to feel comfortable passing them up and taking it himself. 23 points for him on the night and Davis and Cousins are so efficient that 19 points or 19 shots each when they're with their ability to get to the line. Davis put up 33 Cousins put up 27 Cousins grabbed 14 rebounds uh davis grabbed 11 boards four offensive rebounds he had six blocks too because they are active on the defensive side but again that's going to come in the next segment right after this reset don't forget check out lockedonpelicans.com. i've got an article that went up this morning or will go up this morning by the time you're listening to this that talks about the transition defense there's been a lot of issues there but there's a reason why I think it's been bad, and that has to do with three-point shooting and the corner three shots the Pelicans take or have guys in the corner two take in particular. Give it a read over. It might explain a lot and why I actually don't think it's that big of an issue in the grand scheme of things. So again, check it out over at LockedOnPelicans.com. So one of the things we wanted to see from this team in this game was going to be effort on the defensive end. You know, I talked about what Rajon Rondo said about that practice in Orlando that's kind of woken this team up. And I mean, if that seriously was the difference, one, we should give that practice MVP already for the Pelicans and maybe just the entire league. If you can give that one single practice an award, it's that important. And also, every person in their job or manager or industry, office, whatever, should have some sort of Orlando Pelicans practice because productivity would spike for basically everyone in the world. But the defensive side of the ball was really solid tonight. Again, you saw a high level of energy for the Pelicans. They wanted to take away the paint, and they wanted to try and contain the dribble drive early on before it hit the rim and managed to lead to a kickout pass. Or uh, the, the Nets take a lot of threes. They're not great at making them, but what they really do and the way they thrive is when a guy like Alan Crabb or Spencer Dinwiddie drives and manages to kick it out. The Pelicans took that away. Brooklyn still shot a lot of threes. They were 19 of 38 of the night, 58%, but it was really led by, you know, almost three guys. You had Nick Stauskas go seven of 10 from behind the arc. And that was mainly on just pull-up threes later on when he was just shooting and he just happened to make them. And the Pelicans were content to let this kind of be the case. They also had Omer Asik and um, Czech Diallo in there at the end of the third. And we're going to talk about that stretch in a minute and why I actually think it's okay. Um, you know, Chris LaVere hit three of six. And then you had Quincy AC who went two of 12, I think, the other night, went four of five last night. Those are the guys who really did damage. And that was it. The Pelicans contained everyone else for the most part. And when they did get inside, they were active. Davis had six blocks on the night. DeMarcus Cousins wasn't just kind of swiping his arms trying to knock the ball loose. He only had two personal fouls on the night. Davis only had er, only had, had zero. That's great because you're going to get called for reaches when you just kind of lazy, lackadaisically swipe at the ball. And when you don't do that, when you instead put a body on guys, they're going to miss shots. And you can see it where they... Net shot over 50% from three, but were shot 45.6% on the night. So not a tremendous number. And you can see that their two-point field goals were pretty bad. Pelicans took away what they wanted to do. Brooklyn only had 30 points in the paint. They'd like more than that for sure. And Pelican starters shut them down, basically, that starting unit. And they had to rely on the backups in one stretch. And that stretch, which saw the 33-point lead cut down to 17, so basically in half, Might have stressed you out, and that's okay. Um, I understand why. But as I said in the moment on Twitter, I wasn't overly worried. At that point, the Pelicans had played now 11 guys in the game. They had recently, as we've talked about, only been playing an eight-man rotation. Finally, you saw Diallo get some burn in there. Ian Clark was in there. Jameer Nelson was getting good minutes. And Omer Asik was getting good minutes. Omer Asik and his three minutes and 15 seconds on the court. Was out had a negative 17. That's how bad this unit played. But it was okay because it allowed some key rest for guys like Anthony Davis, DeMarcus Cousins, Drew Holiday, and Rondo. We've seen it where late in the fourth quarter, the Pelicans start to blow a lead because Davis has to sit at around the eight-minute mark of the fourth for three minutes and then come back in at five. And in that three minutes, you've blown the lead, and now you have to fight, and it's too late, and all of those bad issues. Here, they knew the starters were going to play a little bit in the fourth. It was never going to be, you know, one of those situations where they sat the entire fourth quarter. Brooklyn goes on the 17-point run, and the Pelicans got rest to key guys. Start of the fourth, those key guys, the starters, Davis, Cousins, Holiday, Rondo, all of them more, are back in the game. And they came out with a killer instinct that you have not seen yet, and part of it is probably because of that Orlando practice and the new mentality that they've had. But another big chunk of it is definitely going to be that these guys were rested. At that point, they didn't have a lot of minutes on them. They hadn't played the entire third quarter and need to be benched in the fourth. They came out, they played hard in the minutes, they iced the game, then they went to the bench and chilled. And they maybe stayed in a little bit longer than they should have. But Davis played 32 minutes, 32 and a half minutes. Cousins played 32 and a half minutes. Holiday played slightly over 32 and a half minutes. Rondo, by the way, this makes his night even more incredible. 25 assists in 30 minutes and 18 seconds. The dude was almost averaging an assist per minute while he was out there. Goes to show you how incredible the night was. But... No, resting these guys, letting the lead slip away, you could see it was going to be okay because the starters were going to come back in. And if they'd been playing like they did with this renewed energy, this new sense of urgency that's been lacking from them, and it has been lacking, they were going to come out and they were going to kill it. And they definitely did. And you saw them ice the game. They immediately stopped that 17 to nothing run. The starters took care of business, and Brooklyn was out of it at that point. Basically, the only bad stretch the Pelicans had was the, three minutes to, uh, the final three minutes of the third quarter. And it was okay because you knew what was going to be coming next. The Pelicans, again, took care of business, and I love it. I love this killer instinct that they're showing right now. This is the team we've wanted to see all year. There's a reason I'm sounding this excited on the podcast here, you guys. I'd said, you know, I thought if everything broke well for the Pels, their realistic best case scenario, not really counting injuries to other teams and things like that, would have been like the seventh seed, maybe the eighth seed, very, very best the sixth, but not really, mainly the seven seed, because you could see they're just kind of this lackadaisical team. And I talked about it on the radio with Matt Moscona uh, on After Further Review on ESPN 100.3 down here yesterday, that they seem to act like they're the Warriors at times, that, oh, we can just kind of walk through this game and it's no big deal. And they haven't earned that mentality, they haven't earned that reputation, and they frankly shouldn't be playing like that. And they didn't play like that tonight. I said I wanted to see if they're going to do this. This game was going to tell me a lot about how dialed in this team is. And when they're dialed in, they're scary. They're scary good. We saw it after that first preseason game against the Bulls where they put up, what, 73 points in the first half. Immediately, I kind of looked at this team and was like, oh, if everything clicks, they're maybe looking at the four or five seed in the Western Conference. Maybe four is out of reach now, but five seed is certainly a thing they can do uh, and try and get. And that would be great. And you can see why. All of a sudden, the ceiling I thought this team had was even higher because this is what we've been waiting to see all year. A stretch like this, and they get two more really easy opponents at home, no less against the Dallas Mavericks on Friday and then the New York Knicks on Saturday to take care of business. And if you do this over a five-game stretch, that's when people are going to start to believe in you. And they're doing it, and I'm happy to see it. This is great. Um, so, again, that killer instinct and that mentality and playing 11 dudes and getting some rest for your starters in the game and seeing that what that in-game rest can do makes a world of difference. So by the way, we are getting into kind of a serious stretch when it comes to the Western Conference. And I'm going to talk about it coming up here in the last segment of today's podcast. But I want you to go and listen to the Locked On NBA podcast. Catch up around the league. Know what the biggest stories are. Be an informed NBA fan. And you can do that by subscribing and listening to the once a week Locked On NBA podcast. So before I talk about the Western Conference playoff race, and something that might kind of shake that bottom 7th, 8th seed fight up a little bit, I want to keep talking about some of these Rondo things. And then I'm going to tell you all a story because something came kind of weirdly full circle for me um, with last night's game. So Rondo, according to StatMuse, is the only player ever to dish out 25 assists in no more than 30 minutes in a game. That's... kind of- Kind of absurd, to be honest. Rondo also assisted on 52% of the Pelicans' field goals on the night. He assisted on over half of them. Over half of the team's makes Rondo had an assist on. The franchise set a new record, of course, with the 40 assists. The previous high was 38. Um, And Rondo was the first player with 25 assists in a game since Jason Kidd back in February of 1996. That's all just absurd. I mean, I don't know how else to put it. So let me tell you all a story because we're keeping in the assist theme here. I'm going to keep an eye on the clock to maybe briefly mention something instead of going all around the Western Conference playoff race. So Rondo is the first New Orleans player with 20 assists since Darren Collison back on March 8th of 2010 um, in this past game. I was actually at that game. They were then the Hornets and I think it was Collison's rookie year. Um, with Chris Paul out injured. And, you know, I, I talk about the Pelicans here on the podcast. I've written for Bourbon Street Shots. I, Before that, wrote for a site with James Grayson called Swarm and Sting. Then we were picked up by Bourbon Street Shots. And I have recently had the opportunity to run the new LockedOnPelicans.com site, which you guys should bookmark and be checking every day. Um, but, I, you know, my story, and I put this out on Twitter, and people have asked it before how I've kind of gotten into this, was... I'm just a dude with a writing background or a guy who thinks he can write okay. I actually have a lot of my stuff edited intensely to make it better. Um, but I can talk about things and people have said this to me in a very easy to understand way. And that makes me good on the radio and on TV and writing quick little things and using Twitter and talking about it on here. I think when I try and speak about some of these ideas and things, people understand what I'm, what I'm trying to mean. And I put it in terms that you all understand as I really botch this right now and make it more complicated And wordy than it it needs to be uh, but I was at that game, and like that's one of the games that kind of inspired me to get season tickets. I've grown up in Los Angeles. I was always a Laker fan, but I really just enjoy live basketball and watching these dudes do things. And to see a rookie and Darren Collison put up 20 assists is pretty incredible when you're in the moment and experiencing the thrill of it while you're there. So the next season, I got a real-time job working at a bank down here in New Orleans. Had a salary and all of that. So I bought some season tickets, and part of the way... Through my first season with season tickets, I just kind of decided I should write about the team. And I have a background in writing, I do a lot of writing, non-basketball related stuff even now and did then. I have a degree in creative writing and English, useful, kind of, it's worked out. And I do a bunch of work in the film industry. So it just seemed like I really liked basketball. I like talking about basketball. I should go and write about basketball, and particularly then the Hornets, because I was at every single game and watching them, and it just kind of worked out. Started writing for a small site, swarminsting.com which I believe is now Pelican's debrief. I'm not entirely sure. All that stuff's changed. Um, but that's what it was at the time. then got picked up by then Hornets 24-7, which we rebranded as bourbonstreetshots.com of course, and it's just kind of taken on a life of its own from this dude who was one day just in the upper bowl being like, I would like to write about this. Um, and it's been a lot of fun, and it's kind of, like I said, full circle because I was at that 20s, the last 20-assist game for the Pelicans with a rookie, and then you've got this one tonight with Jean Rondo in what's been maybe my biggest season of covering the team running a new site with the podcast now in full swing. And the Pelicans' most important season in a very long time. And, again, again, it just kind of came full circle tonight. It was kind of weird. I don't get really misty or nostalgic or emotional when it comes to things like that. But I just thought that was cool. And I figured I'd share it with you guys. I'm a big reader. And one of my favorite authors is this, I think he's Japanese writer now. I'm forgetting, Murakami, who one day used to run jazz clubs, I believe, in Japan. And was a big baseball guy. And he was just at a baseball game. And someone hit like a double, and he just kind of woke up, was there one day, and was like, I should just write a novel. And he did. And now he's a really well respected, famous writer who's written a number of very good things, and I've written, writ- written, read most of them. And he's one of my favorite writers. And it was just kind of those moments where things hit you that you should do this. His was, he should write a novel while watching a baseball game. And the novel's not about baseball or anything like that. And one day I was just like, I should write about the New Orleans basketball team, the Hornets. And look what it's done. So it's kind of cool, like I said, coming all full circle with everything. So getting away from that, let's take a look around the Western Conference playoff race. I'm gonna do this quick since I'm going a little long today. Um, But one of the interesting things here is, again, you've got Golden State, Houston, San Antonio, Minnesota in the four spot, Denver five, OKC tied for five. They're starting to come on. Uh, Portland at seven. I thought they were gonna kind of fall. New Orleans at 7, tied with them. They're probably going to jump up to 8 now. These are the standings as of last night. Utah in 9, and then the Clippers at 10. Clippers might be a little bit interesting. I really do think, basically, the top 8 as it stands now are what it's going to be. I think Utah will fall out eventually, just dealing with the injuries to Gobert and a brutal stretch of schedule coming up. And it's, it's tough, as simple as that. But, you know... The Clippers are going to make things a little bit interesting. They're 14-19. and 19. They had Blake Griffin coming back relatively soon. They got Theodosic back already. They've improved their play recently. This is why the Pelicans need to get these wins now, because you need to get as far away from that Clipper team as possible so that when they make a run and the Pelicans hit a tougher stretch of schedule and start losing some games, you're going to feel a little bit better about it because you've got that cushion Build that cushion right now. So that's all we'll do when we talk about, as I kind of go around the the Western Conference here. That's the most interesting thing. I think Utah's going to fall out. I think Portland's going to continue to, to sag a little bit. New Orleans will jump them. And then maybe it's going to be a fight between Portland and the Clippers for the final playoff spot. Not sure about that yet, but it's something that maybe should be worth watching. So that's going to do it for this edition of Locked on Pelicans. Great win for the team against the New Jersey Nets. 40 assists, 25 for Rajon Rondo. That is absolutely incredible. Uh, so, tomorrow's podcast, final podcast of the week on Friday, we'll preview the Mavericks game. And don't forget, I've got tickets I'm going to be giving out to these next two games coming up. So, make sure you follow Locked On Pels on Twitter. Make sure you follow me at Nola Jake on Twitter. Uh, we'll be doing some giveaways. They're all going to be random, maybe one or two trivia things with the first people to give me the answers. Uh, depending on how many tickets we're going to be giving away. So make sure you're following. Make sure you're listening. One of them might be on Facebook. So make sure you search Locked on Pels on Facebook, like the page, so that you know when this is going to be coming. Uh, So thank you all for listening. As always, I'm your host, Jake Madison, at Nolajake on Twitter. I'll be back with you all next time.